Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Morning. Welcome to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. This is Wednesday, December the 8th, 2021. And I have a guest a little bit later on today, Anthony DeStefano. Some of you will remember him. I've talked to him a couple of times over the last uh, few years. And he will be along to talk about a couple of his new books. Today is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Uh, and uh, the Immaculate, uh, under that title, Mary is the Patroness of the United States. And in four days, we will be celebrating the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, who is not only the Patroness of Mexico, but was declared the Patroness of the Americas uh, mm-hmm. a few years ago. And so under these two titles, we are celebrating Mary during the midst of this uh, Advent season. And uh, Immaculate Conception is... Not that Jesus was immaculately conceived. <laughs> Get it right, people. Well, it's it's confusing. It is. I think especially because of the readings, the the uh, the gospel, which focuses on you know oh, and the, I'm sorry. the most important. Yeah. Hi, everybody. My name is Dennis. Yes, and I forgot about Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. On the Lenny and Squiggy, you know, you just kind of mention something. And I'm like, hello. So, yeah, uh, we're uh, very happy to. Uh, to go to Mass tonight. So go to Mass either this afternoon here uh, in one of your communities that you're in uh, or this evening. It's a holy day of opportunity. Yes, it is. And But uh, again, it's that Mary was immaculately conceived, and the reason for that really is that, uh, that what whoever housed Jesus in his her womb for the mm-hmm. nine months needed to be clean, and so Mary was fully clean and free from sin to be able to house Jesus. Thanks be to God. And of course, with the our Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, that is, uh, if you look at the the picture that's on the tilma uh, and look at some commentary on that, you will see that it pretty well depicts the scene from Revelation chapter 12. And we've, we've talked about that before. And uh, that several of the sim- things that you see with the woman uh, spoke directly to the indigenous people in that area at the time that it happened. So, and caused what half a million to be converted. Pretty amazing stuff. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's it's there. I mean, I've never been able to to go down to Mexico City to see it, but I hear that it's pretty amazing. And that's just all the studies reading about all yeah. the studies about it, the image are it, amazing. It is amazing. I had the opportunity many years ago to go down there on a business trip and had an afternoon free and went to to uh to uh, Tepeyac and uh but you you just they they keep you moving you don't have a chance to stop and look at yeah. it. there's there's so many people that you just yeah. don't really have a chance to do anything other than glance at it yeah it would be nice to be able to, to just be right there close to it but yeah. anyway but yeah it's pretty amazing and this is the final day of the year of St. Joseph it is it is the so, very final day so with that let's do the St. Joseph prayer that we've been doing all along all right. uh, and that is, O oh, blessed in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. 
O blessed Joseph, faithful guardian of my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, protector of your chaste spouse, the Virgin Mother of God, I choose you this day to be my special patron and advocate, and I firmly resolve to honor you all the days of my life. Therefore, I humbly call on you to receive me as your adopted child, to instruct me in every doubt, to comfort me in every affliction, to obtain from me all the knowledge and love of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and finally, to defend and protect me at the hour of my death. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to go back to uh, some scriptures that I, the only places where Joseph is really mentioned mm-hmm. uh, is the book of Matthew in, the, in chapters 1 and 2. Uh, and the reason I'm going back to these really is because uh, recently one of the meditation books I have that I use on a regular basis was talking about Joseph and how uh, Joseph had to give up his dreams for his life, mm-hmm. for his marriage, for Jesus in order to do, to uh, submit to God's will. And I'm going to use God's dreams mm-hmm. because if, if when you look in where Gen- Joseph is mentioned in the book of Matthew or the gospel of Matthew, it, the, it, it says to him, the angel appeared to him at a dream. Joseph, it, and it says that three times that I saw and that's interesting. So what, what, what I understood out of that then is that Joseph may have had some dreams for how things were supposed to do, but the angel came him and to him and gave him God's dream. Mm. And Joseph submitted his dream, laid it down to pick up God's dream for how he's supposed to live his life and the things he was supposed to do. And in the process of that, he, he really had to do some things that were uncomfortable, just the the picking up in the middle of the night and going to Egypt, which was a land of an enemy. Lots of sacrifice. Lots of sacrifice. And then establish himself there for a year or two and then come back and, and want to go back to Bethlehem where mm-hmm. he had been for a while. But no, he can't stay there either. So he goes back to Nazareth. So there, there's a lot that Joseph gave up that we see in Scripture. But when you stop and think about what he did, he took in a woman who... Uh, could have been thought of as a woman of ill repute. Sure. And uh, he took on a child that wasn't his and raised it. He, he gave Jesus uh, a means of providing for himself when he was an adult. And he allowed Jesus to leave that also, to be, go on and do what, what his heavenly father had called him to do. So uh, that we can learn a lot from that. Uh, it's very difficult to lay down one's own dreams to pick up God's dreams. Mm-hmm. And it's even more difficult to sometimes know what God is dreaming for you. And it's in, True. in Joel, uh, depending on the translation, it's either in chapter 2 or chapter 3. It talks about old men, young men shall see visions and old men shall dream dreams. So apparently I'm old enough to, uh, to dream. <laughs> Same here. Same here. I want to mention something else here uh, for just a minute, and it's a little early to do this. Uh, the, you, uh, the, the men's conference is mm-hmm. coming up in Austin on February 19th of 2022. Uh, Chris Stefanik is going to be one of the main featured speakers. Dr. He's amazing. Dr. Ansel Augustine, whom I don't know, and Kevin Cotter, whom I really don't know, are going to be there. They're the main speakers. Uh, and it will be at San Jose Catholic Church from 7.30 to 4.30, uh, again, on February 19th 
2022. For more information and to get tickets, go to Centex, C-E-N-T-E-X, Catholic. Centexcatholic.com. It'd be great to see more men here from the Brazos Valley to come. We usually have a really good response from Central Texas, busloads, as a matter of fact. And so uh, we'd love to see more it, it, from here in the, the Bryan College Station Deanery. In the past, uh, Red Sea Radio has also uh, done some broadcasting from there? We have several conferences. So, uh, you know, I'm not certain what the situation will be at the new church that, that they're going to be at, San Jose. They've been there once before. That's yes. when Father Larry Richards mm-hmm. was at the conference. And so I, I need to, I'm pretty sure I remember what the, the hall arrangements were. And so uh, I think we can broadcast from there again. And, and I, if I'm not mistaken, that might have been the first one that we broadcast with uh, Thaddeus Romanski. And I threw, oh, wow. him, I threw him on the air right away and said, here, you interview Trent Horn. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, okay, you know, and so he jumped right in and did a remarkable job. So, yes, we have broadcast from there before, so it's very likely we can do so again. And this follows on a very a good uh, men's day morning of reflection uh, here in uh, Bryan. Heard good uh, things at, about it. At, at Santa Teresa uh, with Kevin Wells, who was my guest last month, and he spoke with the women in the afternoon over at St. Joseph. It's, he's a very powerful speaker. He has a, a message. Uh, uh, he's a little bit more gentle than Father Larry Richards is, but not. <laughs> but he is very straightforward. Yeah, same strong message, but yes. probably with a little bit of sugar, maybe. A little bit. Maybe. So what's going on with Red Sea Radio these days, Dennis? Oh, my gosh. It's the second week of Advent. And if you've noticed on the air, we've had a lot of Advent programming, some special Jesse Tree spots special reflections either from our, our staff members here um, or uh, clergy in the area, deacons or priests that have read throughout. We also have a, a cart that's a, your Advent week by week, and it kind of talks about you know what the weekly themes are for each Advent and what should be focused on. And so you know we have uh, some prayers that are out there and available. Uh, this second week of Advent is is one that's focused on, is it faith? I think it was peace. Peace. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> I, was, I know the third one's joy, yes. Gaudete Sunday, and that's coming up. Yes. And, and so, uh, but this one is, is focused on uh, either peace or joy. And uh, let's, let's read a prayer uh, that I found here that I think would be really nice regarding the Second week of Advent, Lord our God, we praise you for your Son, Jesus Christ, for he is Emmanuel, the hope of all people. He is the wisdom that teaches and guides us. He is the Savior of us all. O Lord, let your blessing come upon us as we light two candles of this wreath. May the wreath and its light be a sign of Christ's promise of salvation. May he come quickly and not delay. We ask this in his holy name. Amen. Amen. And Gaudete Sunday, that's an interesting name that mm-hmm. people who aren't, who are born are remember, don't remember mass before Vatican II, when mm-hmm. the, the mass became, was in vernacular, the vernacular in English. Uh, it comes from the, what was then the first reading. There were two readings, uh, 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 a reading from the Old Testament or the, New, or the uh, epistles and one from the gospel. And on this particular Sunday, it was always Philippians 4.4, which in the Vulgate is Gaudete uh, and I don't remember the rest of it, but it, it which mm-hmm. means rejoice. Yes, yes. And so it also marks the smack dab in the middle of Advent. So uh, 
uh, in my when I uh, was really young and had a lot of hair, <laughs> I uh, remember thinking, "Oh, thank goodness, Advent's half over with," because it was a ten- penitential period. Yeah, and, and a only, lot more so than than it would yeah, be nowadays, yeah. unfortunately. But. Uh, so what else is going on with Red Sea Radio? You know, we've got a lot of things that we announced at our, our benefit dinners. Uh, one thing that we have coming up, and you're going to hear a lot more about in this next year, is Victory Sports. It's our newest outreach and apostolate, uh, arm of our apostolate, teaching youth and the families uh, the joy and, and the beauty of the faith through the beauty of sport. And there's so many things, winning and losing and trying along the way and teamwork that we can parallel to our faith life and our faith journey. If you want to know more about our apostolate and want to sign up to, to learn more and want to volunteer for Victory Sports, you can do so at victoryyouthsports.org, victoryyouthsports.org. There's also a nice introductory video that we had made that kind of explains a little bit and wets the whistle a little bit. We also have some some great things going on with the application and two new radio stations. So we're asking everybody to continue to pray that uh, God's will be done, that the FCC will grant us construction permits for two new stations, one in the Hallettsville, Schulenburg, Shiner, Yoakum Cuero, uh, you know, all that area, mm-hmm. uh, nice Czech and German Catholic communities. Um, that one's looking pretty promising. Like we should be able to get that one. Uh, you and, never know. And hopefully that'll be piped into the brewery, right? <laughs> hopefully we will have some uh, underwriters uh, in, in Shiner Brewery, and it need not be cash that they pay. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> um, and then we have uh, we have a hope for an application outside of Rocktail, which would possibly cover the areas of Cameron, Taylor, Hutto, maybe even into North Austin, but, you know, God willing. And, and we'll have uh, to see. you were telling me before we went on the air that maybe there's a little prayer needs to be that, that the... Yeah, applic- we've got some conflicting uh, applications on that one um, that are basically will push us out. So we're doing some technical revisions of our, our application that we sent in to possibly separate ourselves from that mixed group, as they say. And so that will enable us to get a station. And so lots of different tricks of the trade that we have, but uh, there's a lot of great things. Um, I'm very much looking forward to Anthony Stefano's interview. Yeah, I am too. And it, it's coming up right after the break. And Anthony is a very interesting person. And I, I hold on and we will be back in just a few minutes. Thank you for listening to Red Sea Roundup. Give us about two and a half minutes. We'll be back. Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm, and I have with me now a very special guest, Anthony DiStefano. He's been on a couple of times before. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning. Great to be here. How are you doing today? Is is the weather as nice where you are as we are? (laughs) You're in New York, correct? 
New I'm Jersey. actually right now I'm in New Jersey, uh, but the weather's about 35 degrees and flurries, so it's, uh, mm. it's uh, and it I, might warm up to 40 tomorrow. <laughs> and I was cold this morning when it was 66 and very humid. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had plenty of that this year in the east, uh, northeast too, uh, hot, humid weather. So we're happy to be uh, in the change of season. Well, it's for, interesting for here. Time. It's interesting. In, I just went dead. Uh, my earphones, excuse me. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, uh, fall is very, uh, very uh, short here, and uh, it hasn't really happened yet. Okay, we're back. I'm back. Okay. It hasn't really happened yet because uh, by this point in time in the year, I would have had to have picked up my neighbor's leaves in my front yard, and they're still on the tree, and it's it's about a month late this year. <laughs> Well, that's sad. that's sad because fall is a beautiful time of the year. I would say most writers and um, musicians, all they all love the fall. There's something so sentimental, nostalgic about it. At the end of the year, things are dying, but at the same time, uh, it's 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 you know getting ready for the winter and then the springtime again. It brings out the best in creative people, I think. So I wouldn't want to lose the fall. And I'm happy uh, being in the Northeast and having such a, we had just a beautiful, uh, blazing fall uh, this year. I, I am just as glad to be here that I don't have to scoop six inches of partly cloudy off of the driveway. <laughs> uh, but talking about things dying and, and, and being reborn, that leads a little bit into one of the new books that you have. You have two new children's books that are are out now. And... So let's talk about the one that really talks about the dying and the rebirth. Well, actually, both of them do. Uh, the, the one of them is is more explicit, and and uh, and that is the book Joseph's Donkey, uh, which is about uh, the donkey purchased by Saint Joseph shortly before his marriage to Our Lady. Um, and in that book, the donkey helps Joseph in his carpentry business, hauling stones and wood, but. But he also plays a key role in all the major events recorded in the infancy narratives of the Gospels, of the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. So, for instance, he carries Mary to Bethlehem, where she gives birth to Jesus. He carries the Holy Family to Egypt to, free, to flee from the evil King Herod. And, and much later on, he accompanies the, the you know, 12-year-old Jesus to Jerusalem, where Jesus is lost in the temple and then found again. So... This book sort of introduces children and reminds parents of all of these key biblical events. It tells this, the, the, the story of the Holy Family right up into the time Jesus begins his message through the eyes of this donkey. And this particular donkey is really a mirror image of St. Joseph. Um, he's a hard worker. He's humble. He's obedient. And we could talk about those things. But going to the point that you just made, uh, because he's a reflection of St. Joseph, St. Joseph, as, as many of your listeners know, is the patron of a happy death. Uh, he's the patron of a happy death because he died uh, surrounded by Jesus and, and Mary. And what could be a more peaceful or joyful death than that, to be surrounded by our Lord and Our Lady? And so because this donkey in this book is a reflection of uh, and a mirror image of St. Joseph, he too gets older in this book, and he too dies surrounded by Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Uh, but of course, the happy ending is that he goes to heaven. Yes. And so the book is about resurrection. And it, it uh, just 
outlining the story, it may sound as though it's something a little bit difficult for uh, young people. It really isn't. It's uh, uh, I've and I'm going to mention here that there are videos of this book and the other one, and most of your children's book. There are videos out there on YouTube, yes. and and so that somebody can get a sample of what's going on. Uh, so. How did you come about thinking about this particular story to tell at this time? Well, uh, well, first of all, my uh, my middle name is Joseph, and my so and so my my patron saint is Saint Joseph, and I've always had a devotion uh, to this saint. I know that there are just aren't a lot of books about Saint Joseph out there. There certainly aren't a lot of children's books, and there's a good reason for that, and that is that. Uh, even though in the Gospels we see St. Joseph doing so many incredible things, protecting the Holy Family, bringing the Holy Family um, to escape Herod, and, 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 and just being a great father, foster father and husband, we never hear him say a word. The, the Gospels just don't record any word that he ever spoke. That doesn't mean that, that he didn't speak. Uh, probably he was quiet, but the Gospels just don't report the things that he said. And so it's difficult for a writer who wants to be a an orthodox um, traditional Catholic writer uh, to write about Saint Joseph because you know you don't want to put words into his mouth. You don't want to invent dialogue that we don't know took place. Uh, so it's much easier. I thought I came upon the idea of 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 telling the story of Saint Joseph from the perspective of this fictional donkey. Uh, because if the donkey is a mirror image of Saint Joseph, and he's a personification of Saint Joseph, then I could put, I can make this donkey say or think anything I want, as long as it's theologically correct. And so I thought this would be a great way to tell the life of Saint Joseph, uh, and at the same time not put all kinds of words into the saint's mouth that that we don't know uh, whether he spoke them or not. Because there's nothing. That was the genesis of the idea. Then there's, Joseph doesn't speak a word in the book. Uh, uh, no, he doesn't. Just the donkey very says very little too. He thinks things. Mm-hmm. So I tried to keep it close. I try. I did try to keep it very close to scripture, and I, I as I said before, I included you know some of the major events, the uh, the um, uh, the nativity. Of course, this is a Christmas book, so it it, it features the nativity, uh, the fleeing of the Holy Family to Egypt. Uh, some home scenes in 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 Nazareth, where they where the, where Joseph is a carpenter. Later on, of course, the center of the book really is the, the 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 finding of Jesus in the temple. That's really the emotional heart of the book, because and the it, book really is about, at its core, finding Jesus. Um, a lot of people, I think, out there, even some even some of your listeners, maybe, uh, who are good Catholics uh, and who are not. Uh, great sinners. A lot, a lot of people lose Jesus sometimes uh, because we get caught up in distractions of life and stress and and and, and our problems with family and money and job, and so we lose the Lord for a little while, and um, we think we're lost. You know, we're thinking we have some sort of a crisis, and the real reason is that we've lost Jesus. And so Christmas is a great time to find Jesus again. And so the, that's really the, the real message of this book, it, not only introducing children to St. Joseph, but the, to the concept of finding Jesus. And in the book, I thought it was very interesting that the donkey in the book is the one that found Jesus in the temple. 
Yes. Well, the way I set that up, it, I, I want you know the the purpose of the book is to entertain, and and you want to keep it as true theologically as possible, but you also want to make it exciting. And uh, what I thought was very believable about the donkey <clears throat> finding Jesus in the temple is that um, we have to assume that that during Jesus's childhood he rode upon the donkey. Uh, and, Donkeys live or, live for about thirty years, so it's very possible that the donkey that carried uh, Mary into into Bethlehem uh, is also the same donkey that worked in Joseph's workshop for 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 many years. So we can assume that Jesus rode upon this donkey, and we also can assume that that Jesus, being being the Son of God, often went alone to pray as he did during his ministry. Um, he was always going off alone by himself to pray to the Father. And so to me, it made sense that the donkey would occasionally carry this little boy uh, to go off and pray. And, and so when Jesus is lost in the temple, uh, when he's 12 years old, uh, I have it in this book where the donkey is the one who, who remembers all the times he took this little child to go pray by himself, this holy child. And so he, know, he thinks to himself, he must be in the temple in his father's house praying. So it's a hunch that he has, and, and of course he's right. And, and that really represents the first time in the book where the donkey actually says anything. He, for the first time, he, he, he starts hee-hawing, braying, uh, in order to let Joseph and, and Mary know that Jesus was found. And I'm going to remind our listeners that you're listening to Red Sea Radio, uh, and this is Red Sea Roundup, and you are either listening to us on KEDC 88.5 FM in the Brazos Valley, KYAR 98.3 in Central Texas, and hopefully some of you are at KINF 107.9 FM in Palestine. And you can also listen to us streaming online at redsearadio.org, and you just click on the note link to listen to us. Uh, if you would like to talk to Anthony Stefano or uh, have a question or a comment, you can give us a call at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. And again, my guest today is Anthony Stefano, who is an author. Author, And I'm Gene Wilhelm, your host. And uh, Anthony, uh, the book is written, all of your books, your children's books, are written in such a fashion that they, uh, adults may mistakenly pick them up for their children, but the book's are just as much for the adults as they are for the children. I, you know, I, I, I sometimes say that facetiously that, you know, the books are for children. When I'm asked how, what's the age range, I say, well, from three to 103. And I'm, I'm kidding to some extent, but also I'm serious. I, I do try to write these books for adults as well. I'm keenly aware that, that, that adults are reading these books to uh, the children in their lives. The parents, the older siblings, aunts and uncles, grandparents, they're reading these books sometimes five, ten, fifteen times. You know, when a child likes something, they want it read many times to them. So it's a great opportunity for to remind adults of truths that they may have forgotten or may need to be reminded of. So I always try to put into these uh, books uh, symbolism, hidden meanings, or things that may be above the heads of the, ch- the children, uh, but, but the adults will get, and it will entertain and instruct them as well. I mean, you know, why, not, I mean, why miss the, the, the opportunity to evangelize that whole tremendous group of, of people who are reading the books to, to the children? 
So I thank you that you say that because it is one of my objectives. And, and the illustrations in your books are just outstanding. And uh, let's see, you have, who was it, Julie, Juliana? Kolosova. She's, she's a Russian-born artist. And um, again, some of your listeners may remember a book that I wrote last year, or maybe it was the year before, I'm not sure, called Our Lady's Wardrobe. Yes. Uh, is about Our Lady, and then the follow-up to that was Our Lady's Picture Book, all about the blessed, a way to introduce children to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And the same artist I used, Juliana Kolosova. This is an artist who specializes in photorealistic type paintings. And the reason why I used her for this project, for Joseph's Donkey, well, two reasons. One of them was I wanted this book to be a companion book to those books on Mary. Since St. Joseph is the, the husband of, of, of Our Lady, it makes sense that the books should be similar. They should look similar. They're, both, they're all oversized books. They have the same quality. Our Lady, the model that was used for Our Lady is the same in all of the books. So there's some continuity there. But, but there's also a theological reason I use someone like Juliana, and, and that's this. She, I, I, I want children to understand that Our Lady and St. Joseph are real. They're real people. They really existed. They really exist now in heaven. They're not make-believe. They're not fictional cartoon characters like, the, like these children play and see in their games that they play, the video games, or watching the cartoons that they, they watch. Uh, they're real. And so I, I want, want children to be able to feel like they could reach out and touch Our Lady and touch St. Joseph. And I think that's better accomplished when the artist is able to make them photorealistic as opposed to very cartoonish. Uh, and, and so that was, that's the theological objective of using her. And, and I, I must say that from my perspective, uh, the detail work on, in her drawings, particularly on the donkey, uh, are just uh, incredible. Yeah, I'm very, I couldn't be happier. And I, I've gotten so many uh, compliments on uh, on on her uh, and her work, and she. I think she made. You know, I worked very hard on the text of these books. Uh, some of a lot of my books, as you know, are, have rhyming text, and that yes. makes things easier and more memorable for children. But the 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 books are really taken to a whole new level by the artist, if the artist is good, because the picture does tell a thousand words. And there's so much that you can include. More information you can include with the pictures and the images will be many times what stay in the minds of the children. For instance, in this book, you know, there's. I'll point out one thing. We have a. Uh, for much of the book, we see the child Jesus being carried on the uh, carried on by the donkey when the, when the, when the, when Jesus is a child. But when the donkey gets older and sick. Yes. Uh, Jesus carries him on his shoulders, and we we and and I think Juliana Kolasova did a wonderful job of sort of showing these two types of images in the early part of the book: the young little boy on top of the donkey, and then later on the older donkey on top of Jesus's shoulders. And then that 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 has a that's a message for all of us too. You know, when we take care of our children, but then later on when we get older, our children take care of us, and that's a right and proper thing. And the, the and she conveys that beautifully and no. very poignantly, I think. The the way she portrayed it reminded me so much of the uh the picture of Jesus carrying the sheep that was so yes. uh popular during the 70s, I believe it was 70s and early 80s. Uh, it, it's, it's 
he's the good shepherd. He looks for the lost. He he brings them home. And uh, that 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 message was so strong yes. in that, that particular picture. Uh, yes, yes, it was meant to convey that image too of the good shepherd, only with a donkey this time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so let's talk a little bit about the beggar and the bluebird. And that tell us a little bit about that. Again, the illustrations here are just outstanding, and it's it's from Richard. Very Co- different, Codry. yeah. And he's done Richard several Codry. of Codry, and he's done several of your books, hasn't he? He has. You know, he's actually a much more famous illustrator than Juliana. He is a New York Times bestselling illustrator. He's gotten, he's sold a gazillion books. He did the Marley and Me series and the Fiona the Hippo series, which is very popular right now. Uh, he's a mainstream artist, and he specializes in painting animals. And because this book is a fictional, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a modern-day Christian fairy tale in the tradition of Hans Christian Andersen and the Grimm brothers, uh, I, I, I didn't mind using an artist who wasn't photorealistic. I wanted someone who could capture human expressions on animals. You know, these books have animals, uh, but they, they, and, and they feature animals, but they're not really, truly about animals. They're, they're really, truly about people. We use animals in children's books because children find them less intimidating than adults. Children fall in love with them quicker. They find animals adorable. And so they're able to enter into a quickly uh, a story much more quickly when there's an animal that's, that's cute uh, and adorable. And so Richard is the best person in the world at making animals lovable. And so I wanted him to make this little bluebird lovable. This story is about a, uh, a bird who, whose flight southward for the winter keeps getting delayed because of the strange requests of a local street beggar. The beggar asked the bird to fly on all these different errands of mercy for him, uh, delivering bread to a homeless man, uh, or delivering money to a widow with children, and, and finally delivering a, delivering a gold cross to a sick boy in the hospital. And as a result of performing these acts of kindness, the bird gets caught in this big, giant winter blizzard, and it seems like, like he's going to die, uh, freeze, until a surprise ending uh, which I think we could reveal here. Yeah, I think so. Uh, is, is that uh, shows that the, the street beggar is is not really a beggar, but uh, at all, but he's really an angel of God. And you were uh, when we uh, spoke a couple of days ago. Uh, you mentioned that that this particular story, I believe, has two scriptural bases bases uh, for what yes. you see in the book. Would you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, the the uh, I just mentioned that the blue the the beggar is really an angel in the book, and that's uh, that comes at the climax of the book and is meant to be a surprise and it's very powerful and you you see this and you know this at the beginning you see this little um, this beggar who's in rags and dirty and at the end you see him transform into a, a mighty angel of the Lord, bright and dazzling light. And and that really, I got that idea from a passage in uh, the letter to the Hebrews, Hebrews 13, which I, I, I don't have the passage in front of me, but it says something like, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, uh, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Um, and that passage has always uh, captivated my own imagination. Uh, in fact, I live in New, 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 New Jersey, and I'm in uh, New York quite often in the city, and there's a lot of beggars around, street beggars, and, and, and always in the back of my mind uh, is, is this question, gee, is that really a beggar or is it, or is it an angel? Um, 
So I, I thought it would be very powerful to try to put that concept into a children's book. Uh, I think children would be, would be you know, fascinated by, by that transformation. So that's one thing. The second thing is the whole purpose of the book is to show this little bluebird uh, giving of himself. He is afraid to stay in, in, the, in the city because it's getting cold and a, and a storm is coming. He wants to fly south, but this beggar keeps asking him to, to do these errands of mercy, and, and, um, and he does them, even though he has to face tremendous danger uh, to himself. And that, that really is based on this past, famous passage from Matthew 25, uh, where he says, you know, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Truly, I say to you, whatever you did for one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you did for me. And, and so that's the, 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 the heart of this book is actually that gospel passage. Uh, in a way, this book is kind of like an introduction in a very, very general way. Uh, to the corporal and spiritual acts of mercy. Well, I'm going to remind our listeners again that you're listening to Red Sea Roundup uh, on one of our three stations, KEDC, 98, uh, pardon me, 88.5 FM in the Brazos Valley, KYAR 98.3 in Central Texas, or KINF 107.9 in Palestine, or perhaps you're streaming at redsearadio.org, where you hit the Listen to Us button. And if you have a con- question or comment for Anthony or me or anybody here, uh, you can call us at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. So, so you got the, the bluebird there, and the bluebird is, is saying, I need to get out of Dodge. I, I need to get out of here. I need to get where somewhere else. Uh, I, this is my plan. It's what I'm supposed to do. Uh, I'm a bird. I'm supposed to fly south for the winter, and and you just keep interrupting my plans and making life very. You're making life more difficult for me. I don't know whether I'm ever going to be able to reach that goal that I have in my life. Uh, was that part of the what you planned to say in that book? Oh yes, very much so. the The whole uh, value of of the good works that this bluebird performs, the whole value of of the virtue. Um, that he displays is due to the fact that he is in conflict the way all of us are in conflict. We always want to do what we want to do. We always want to do what's best for us. We always want to stay away from anything that we consider risky or uncomfortable or out of our comfort zone. I mean, everybody can understand that. And yet we know that the Christian life calls us to be a greater than that. It calls us to be Christ-like. It calls us to sacrifice ourselves, our own desires, for the good of other people, for the good of the other. That's really the definition. You know, love is the most used, misused, abused, and confused word in the English language. People think it's so many mushy things, uh, but really the definition of love is self-giving and self-sacrifice, the exact kind of um, love that Jesus Christ practiced. So we're always being called by God um, to that kind of greater self-sacrificial love, and it, it puts us in a situation of where we're in conflict, because we, our natural desires are not to do that. It's, our natural desires are always to take the easy way out. So I very much wanted this bird to experience that conflict, but to overcome 
his own uh, desire for his own safety and to reach out of himself and to be Christ-like. In this book, the bird is very much a um, very much a symbol of Jesus Christ, actually. In fact, there's even a couple of scenes where he's uh, carrying a cross through, through the air mm-hmm. to deliver a cross to a child in a hospital. And that scene of carrying that cross through the air and then even having the cross leaning up against him when he's in a snowstorm is meant to, symbolically to represent the fact that this, this, this bird is like Jesus. And we're all called to be that way. We're all called to, 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 to demonstrate courage in the face of uh, uh, adversity and, and, and our fears. You've told us a little bit about the, uh, the significance of the cross there. What about the bread and the coins? You know, in, uh, in my books, I, I, all of my children's books, I always try to include biblical imagery. Um, and the, the reason is that I, I, my, my thinking is that later on, when children are older and they, and they read the Bible itself, or they, they see some sort of uh, um, Bible show or you know, on G, Life of Jesus on television or the movies or something, I want them to have already seen some of these images when they were little children. I think it's in order to enter into Scripture deeply when you're a little bit older. It helps a great deal if you are familiar with those images, especially when you get familiar with those images earlier. And so I'm always trying to include um, uh, different kinds of biblical imagery. In, in this particular book, you know, we have uh, him dropping a loaf of bread um, uh, to give to a, a starving man, uh, another homeless man. And that's very much reminiscent of the, 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 the manna in the desert, the bread that comes from heaven that God fed the Israelites with in the Old Testament. Um, the, the delivery of the coins to the, to the widow, well, anyone who's read the New Testament has heard you know, Jesus speak about, about widows and, the, and, and, and the, sto- the famous parable of the widow's might, or the, the story of the widow's might, where the, 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 the widow gives all that she has to the treasury and the temple. Um, and it's just just a, a few coins, but at the same time, it's more than all the rich people who 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 donated because she gave out of her out of her need and not out of her abundance. Uh, and then, then of course, the the cross being delivered. The cross is the central uh, symbol of Christianity, and it has all to do with um, with redemption and salvation and resurrection. So the, the 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 three deliveries that he makes all contain these these very different biblical images that I hope children will will remember because they're powerful in the book and then recognize later on when they're a little bit older. Let's let's say that uh, somebody's listening and say I need to get a hold of these books or I need to see I need to I want to look at them a little bit farther before I make that decision. What are a couple of places people can go to either find the books or to, to these YouTube videos where you're narrating the books? Sure, you know, I I I I I try to read for video all of these all of my children's books I, and put them out there free of charge for people to see. You know, I control the uh, theatrical rights to all my books. Uh, and and so I, I I read them and I try to put uh, music to them and 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 make and use as professional videotaping as possible, uh, editing. And if you go to YouTube uh, and you just type in the name the titles of the book or you type in my own name Anthony De Stefano, 
uh, it should bring you to a link where you could you could watch the whole book. You could actually read the whole book and 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 uh, right there online. And I and, um, and we've I've done that. My wife has done that, and I think my grandchildren have done that. And there there's your books from the past too that are out there, like the the uh, grumpy old ox and the seed that didn't want to be planted and. Little Star, the, the, one of yes. my, my best-selling books is The Donkey That No One Could Ride. Uh, Little Star is like another Christmas one. The Grumpy Old Ox is also a Christmas story. I've actually got four Christmas stories that I've written, uh, which is uh, strange. I never set out to write four uh, children's books for Christmas. But, yeah, they're all available out there on YouTube, and on my website, my own, my own personal website. And, and your own personal and, website uh, is what, AnthonyDeStefano.com? AnthonyDeStefano.com, if they could spell out that long Italian name and get it. Well, then, uh, let, let, for those who aren't in members of St. Anthony's Parish here, would you spell DeStefano for us, please? Uh, D-E-S-T-E-F-A-N-O, DeStefano. Okay. And uh, it's right there um, all over the Internet. And, uh, and the books are available everywhere. I've been very, very blessed, you know, with the distribution of my books. Uh, they're all over the place. You can get them at Catholic bookstores. You can get them at, at, at Barnes & Noble. You can get them on Amazon.com. You can get them um, through Sophia Institute Press. You can get them through Random House. You know, whatever my book, whoever published the book is selling them, and, and they're available to ma- in the mainstream outlets as well as uh, religious outlets. I've been very blessed in my writing life. Now, your life itself, uh, you didn't set out to be an author, did you? No, no. I wanted to be a doctor, actually. I, <laughs> that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a, a, a heart surgeon. Um, well, you're doing uh, that, but from I a different perspective. Well, I, 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 a couple of little things got in the way, uh, namely organic chemistry and, uh, <laughs> and integral calculus and some of those things that were a little di- bit difficult for me back then. Um, when I was a teenager, but yes, I think it 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 uh, it turned out to be it turned out to be uh, providential. I think God. I may sound a little bit presumptuous of me to say this, or like I'm bragging. I'm really not. But I think God put in this desire and put in me a desire to be a healer of some kind, and I misinterpreted it to mean uh, being a, a physician, a doctor. But what I really wanted to do all along was to help people who are suffering and, and, uh, and grieving and, and uh, need to be inspired, etc. Uh, but, but, but I was meant to do it as a writer, not as a, uh, an actual uh, surgeon. So I see that there. But again, it sounds a little like I'm bragging to say such a thing, but I see that in my life for sure, that God was leading me all along. Uh, to try to uh, be a writer who uh, instructs and consoles uh, everyone, but especially children. Now, I don't rem- recall the story, but you didn't start out, even right after school, you didn't start out to be a writer of, of books. Did, did... I tried very hard, uh, but nobody accepted anything I wrote. Uh, in so fact, you, and you had to eat. High school. Excuse me? And you had to eat. Oh yeah, right. Well, well. I first of all, I work in the pro-life movement full time. I mean, I've always worked in the pro-life movement, so I'm I've I've always uh, maintained the job because I feel it's so important to be, you know, in in that in that battle for the protection of human life from conception to natural death. So I've always been able to you know make a living uh, working in nonprofit organizations. Uh, but but even when I was in high school, my first book that I wrote was for a man named Frank McCourt 
he was my English teacher. He went on to write Angela's Ashes and win the Pulitzer Prize. Uh, I wrote my first uh, children's story then in his high school cl- in that high school class when I was 14 or something. Uh, but it took 30 years for that story to get published. 30 years it sat in the drawer before Random House finally published it. So I've had to be persistent throughout my whole writing career uh, before I was finally able to break through. My first book I didn't get published until I was 37 years old, uh, which is rather late for a writer. But, uh, but now, since then, um, I've published over 25 books. And uh, more are coming out in the next couple of years. So God has been, I mean, I prayed very hard that God would let me be a published writer. I consecrated myself to Our Lady uh, back in my late 20s. And right after that is when I started, you know, getting calls from publishers saying that they they liked and they wanted to try publishing my stuff. And you don't limit yourself to children's books, do you? No, my, 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 my major occupation in writing has been adult books. My first book was called The Travel Guide to Heaven. It was published in uh, 17 different countries. Uh, it's a still, it's still, it's, we're going to be celebrating its 20th uh, anniversary next, uh, in two years in 2023. So it was published in 2003. That was a tremendous bestseller published by Random House. And then the se- second book, 10 Prayers God Always Says Yes To, uh, and it was also a big bestseller. And, um, I've written a book on hell and I've written a book on atheism. Uh, I've written, I've written a lot of uh, books for adults as well. But none of them give me such gratification as the children's books, though. Well, it's that's the most happy job, writing for children. I would think so. I mean, it, 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 I, I, in some ways, it's easier. In some ways, it's more difficult, isn't it? You know, that's a very, very good point. It, 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 it's 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 easier in that the actual writing of a children's book is easier than an adult book because, you know, with a book for a nonfiction book for adults, you have to do a lot of research. You have to do chapter by chapter. Sometimes it's like blowing dynamite out of a hill. I mean, you know, using dynamite to blow rock out of a hill. It's very hard. I'm a slow writer and writing those kind of books can be, it's, I try to make everything simple and it's very difficult to write simply as you might know. Uh, so it's, it's, it's writing a, um, an adult book is harder, the writing of it. But it's actually easier to get an adult nonfiction book published than it is to get a children's book published. So many people out there think they can write children's books because they are simpler and they're, they're shorter, that the number of submissions of children's books is, is, is greater than the number of adult books. And so the publishers uh, have to refuse a lot more people and send out a lot more rejection letters. So it actually took me, I had written two best-selling books for adults, Travel Guide to Heaven and Ten Prayers God Always Says Yes To, before the publisher actually took a chance on my children's book. It took two big bestsellers, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of copies of books sold, before a publisher would actually take a chance on one of my children's books. So it's, in, it's an interesting irony. So it's persistence is, is one of the things that uh, you just don't give up. It's, it's sort of like the path to perfection itself in the life of holiness. You just have to keep plodding along and uh, work with God rather than against him. Persistence is key, but also intelligence in that, you know, I never quit everything I did just to pursue uh, writing. I always made sure that I had a job and uh, was able to support my family. Uh, but but I would I would get up at ungodly hours on a Saturday at 
three o'clock in the morning or, or stay up very, very late in order to, to write the books. In other words, I did what I had to do and was persistent over years and years, but I just didn't, um, I just didn't quit everything to pursue a creative life. There are a lot of people out there, especially who love to be, would love to be musicians, say, and uh, you know they give up everything to just pursue their music career, even though the chances of them being successful are very small. Uh, there, there's a bridge to an intelligent bridge that you can use to get to that goal of of writing and and music or or, or literature or what have you. Um, you just have to work extra hard. You, you know, usually you have a job on the side and you know spend weekends or any free other other free hours working on your 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 creative projects. What you're really saying is that each of our lives should be a reflection of what we hear in the church. That it's a matter of faith. And reason. Yes, yes. Uh, fides quarens intellectum is the old Latin phrase, faith-seeking understanding. Uh, it's n- it's never a blind faith. Yes, you can be blindly obedient, but but um, uh, Catholicism, especially, is a religion. You never check your faith. You never check your brains at the door. Uh, you, you're always trying to understand more what, what these revealed truths mean. And, and of course, that, that old truth about pray, ora et labora, you know, work and prayer, prayer and work, they go together. And, and oftentimes, God will reward you with success when you're doing both of those things, not just one of them. I worked very hard at being a writer in my 20s, and I got nowhere. It wasn't until I consecrated myself to Our Lady, according to the formula of St. Louis de Montfort, and worked at the same time, and, and had a job. When I did all three of those things, all of a sudden, you know, the gates of success were opened up to me, and now, 25 books later, I'm still, I'm still writing. And it so. sounds as though that is a message not only for anybody who's listening who wants to be a writer or a, an artist of any kind, but also uh, maybe somebody who has an avocation of any kind or, or is in a, a job that they think is not quite right for them, but there's something else that's coming on that, that you have to keep, keep going where in what you're doing until God moves you to the next thing, and sometimes He might have you doing be doing both at the same time. Yes, yeah, it, it works for everything, including problems that you're going through. Uh, uh, the uh, you know what what did Winston Churchill say? If if you're going through hell, keep going. My, you know, my, his advice was, if you're going through hell, keep going. In other words, keep going through the fire. Some some of your listeners right now may be facing tremendous money problems, or you know they're worried about a doctor's diagnosis or something, or they're just struggling to make ends meet, and they've got a number one. Keep up that prayer. Get closer to God. Keep acts of trust. Jesus, I trust in you. Immaculate Heart of Mary, I place all my trust in you. Acts of trust every day. Say that a hundred times a day. Keep saying that along with focusing on every single day the problems that you have, focusing on trying to solve them and putting in as many man hours as you can to do it. If you do those two things, um, God will lead you through that storm and get you to the next level. Okay, we've got got about 90 seconds for you to... Give us one last word or summary or something of that nature. What, what would you tell us? Uh, these books are Christmas books that I've written, and I think here, here's the thing. The devil 
uh, doesn't tempt good people to do bad things. He doesn't tempt good people to go out and kill people. He knows that's not going to happen. What the devil does when he wants to take you away from the Lord is to tempt you to do good things. But he tempts you to do so many good things that you forget the essential things. So at Christmas time especially, he, you know, the devil will tempt you to go out and do, spend so much time with uh, you know, the gifts and the, and the, and the food and, 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 and the parties and all of that, that you forget the main thing, which is to make sure that you get to Mass, that you're praying to the Lord, and you remember that this holiday is about the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Got to do the essential things, even at Christmas time. Yes, that's true. So what's, what's up next? We got, I got about 30 seconds. I think in the springtime, I've got a book called How the Angels Got Their Wings, and it's a story for children about angels, the whole story of angels from beginning to end, from the fall of Satan uh, to guardian angels. Uh, it's just, it's the, it's just a, a rhyming book uh, that, that's going to be beautifully illustrated that, that will be an introduction to the whole world of angels for children. Well, thank you so much, Anthony. I really appreciate your being on my program today, and we are going to wrap this up pretty quickly. Uh, I thank you so much. And again, your your web pages, your web page is anthonydestefano.com. That's correct. And you've got these things on YouTube and they can buy them, your books from just about any resource that's available out there. That's right. Okay. Thank now, you so much. For thank you so much. And remember, folks, when you're choosing between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up. Since you wake up this dead man walking, shake off rumors and talking.